Good evening, everyone. Uh, if we haven't met before, I'm David, I'm the vicar here, and it's great to welcome you all. Welcome to those of you who are new. Can we have a quick show of hands if you're here for the first time tonight? Don't be shy. I, won't, I promise I won't make you do anything odd. We just want to welcome you, give you a round of applause, cheer you on. Great to have you here. So this question might be for everyone else, um, but also for those of you who are here for the first time. I want to start this evening by asking you, how are you doing in the faith? How are you doing? Do you feel at the moment like you're growing in the faith? Are you maturing? Are you drawing closer to Jesus? One person saying no at the front here. Maybe you, maybe you feel like actually life is full of challenges, that life is difficult at the moment and you're maybe even just drifting away from the Lord. Life can be difficult, can't it? We had a word tonight just as we were praying about pressure. And you may be here tonight and actually there is pressure in your life. You're facing a challenge, a difficulty, something to do with studies or work or your faith, your relationship, I don't know. And during those times, we either tend to draw nearer to Jesus. We kind of cling to him and hold on to every ounce of faith we have and pray. Or we can find sometimes that we withdraw and we find ourselves at a distance from the Lord. And sometimes during those moments we end up thinking, where are you, God? Why are you not speaking to me? I can't hear you. Now the young Jewish Christian believers who are called Hebrews, hence the title of this book, were facing pressure in their lives. They were being persecuted. They were up against it. They were a minority and they found themselves in a difficult place. And they were at risk of drifting away in the faith. And so the writer to the Hebrews gives this sermon. It is a sermon. It's a, a words that were spoken over God's people to say, hold on in the faith. Keep on going. Don't give up. Hold on to the hope that you have in Christ. And I really believe that's what the Lord wants to say to you tonight. To keep on going to see Jesus and to have hope in him that you would walk out of this church in whatever it is, just under an hour, with a, a greater sense of hope than you had when you walked in here. Because when problems come in our lives, and they do in different forms, the question is, where is our focus? For me, I know when I've gone through the most difficult times in my life, I have looked down at the challenges I'm facing and the problems that I'm going through and I become so obsessed with them and focused on them that actually they start to drag me down and it's a bit like Peter you know when he walked out towards Jesus on the water and the choice is do you and I look down at the waves that are lashing around our our feet and our ankles and our legs maybe you feel tonight that the waves are up to your neck or do we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? Now this book of scripture that we're going to study over the next eight weeks, the book of Hebrews, is amazing. If you haven't read it recently, I want to encourage you to read it in the next few days. Just read through it again. Take time to read through it, pray through it, get a commentary to help you understand it. 
And together we're going to go on a journey for eight weeks to understand what God wants to say to us through this book. Right in the beginning of uh, chapter one, we read about creation and redemption and purification and glorification and a whole load of other Asians that I don't even know about. But it is thick with theology, with truth. And sometimes it's hard to grapple with. And that's what we're going to do together over these next eight weeks. Now, there's quite a few things we don't know about the book of Hebrews. We don't know for sure who wrote it. You can, I'm not going to go through this now. You can read all manner of commentaries that will tell you an argument for one person who wrote it versus another. We, we just don't know. We don't really know who this was for. We know it's for Jewish Christians, Hebrews, but we don't know exactly where they were living and the context really around um, their lives. But what we do know is that this book speaks powerfully to you and me in the 21st century. This is the active, living word of God. And so I'm going to pray now, and I want to encourage you to pray, to ask God tonight to lift our eyes, to lift our eyes to him, that we would see Jesus through these words and meet with him. So this is the point where I would normally pray for all of us, but I'm going to encourage all of us to pray. So let's just in silence ask God tonight to lift our eyes to him. thank you that you are our hope Lord Jesus I want to pray that hope the hope of Christ over each one of us tonight that you would indeed lift our eyes to you that we would see you we would see your glory in new ways in the name of Jesus amen now one of the things I love about the book of Hebrews is it starts with a bang You know, some of the other epistles in the New Testament, we read about a gentle introduction, who's written the letter, uh, the context. But here we have these first four verses, the book of Hebrews, that is just dripping with truth and theology and a sense of who Jesus is. Now in the Greek, the original Greek, this wasn't four sentences. It was one long sentence. It is one long sentence. And at the heart of it is the truth that God speaks. If we could have the first slide, please, Philip. That God speaks. God has spoken. Now, I think if you went out into Reading this evening and you walked around the streets of Reading and you asked a group of people, what do they think about God? They would probably, you get a mixed review. You would, people who would say, actually, I don't really believe in God. I think he's probably uninterested in my life, he's distant, silent. People would say perhaps they just think he's been replaced by science, just no need for God in the 21st century. But science and faith are not always in conflict with one another. 
And uh, there was a really interesting article in the Times newspaper. If we could have the next slide, please, Philip. Uh, very recently. And I don't know if any of you... Did any of you see this? No. Not many Times readers here. Um, so this is what it says. If you, if you can read the headline, it says, Scientists find kingdom they thought was a Bible story. And it is an amazing discovery that this group of archaeologists and scientists have found proof for the existence of Edom. Now, Edom is in Genesis 36. You can read about it when you get home tonight. But up until this point, there was this sense that scientists and archaeologists thought this was just mythical, that this was something that existed in the Bible that they didn't really believe in. But if you go to the the next slide, please, Philip, and we have a look in, um, I'll read out that text in red. What it says is, the data has taken us to a place where the archaeological record does indeed coincide with many aspects of the Hebrew Bible and biblical Edom, he said. And then in one of the most sort of understated British statements I've read... This, this was a surprise to us, they say. But, I mean, isn't this amazing? That actually this group of archaeologists and scientists are saying, we have found the proof for the existence of Edom, and actually maybe what is written in this book is true, folks. That this is the word of God. That what is written in here actually happened. And this is... Part of what we're seeing at the beginning of Hebrews, this sense of the reality, the truth, the declaration that God has spoken. And so what you read, if you have a look at the beginning of Hebrews in verse 1, is the words. In the past, God spoke. Verse 2, we read, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then in verses 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 10 and 13, we keep reading God says, God says, God says, God says. God has spoken. And we need to remember that God is not just an idea that we have in our heads. But he is a father who wants to speak to you tonight. He's a father who loves you who wants to demonstrate his love and lead you into a place of hope and reassurance through a relationship with him. So how does God speak? Well, what we read at the beginning of uh, Hebrews is that in the past, his usual way of speaking was through the prophets, through his messengers. And so we know that God spoke and continues to speak to those of us who are suffering through the words of Job. That if we find ourselves isolated and and we need hope, then God speaks to us in different ways through different prophets, such as Isaiah. That if we find ourselves in a place where we just feel like we're intimidated and overwhelmed and we just want to run away, then God speaks to us through Jonah. And if we're trying to work out in our lives how to deal with the injustice that we see around us in our society, then God speaks to us through Micah and so on. You get the point. 
And you may be here this evening just thinking, I need to hear from God in my life. Maybe you're at a junction in your life and you need some wisdom. Or maybe you are facing a challenge. Maybe you're feeling that pressure. And you need to hear from God. God, what have you got to say to me? Well, I want to encourage you tonight. That tonight could be the beginning of something beautiful for you folks. Because this is how God speaks to you and me, primarily. The Bible, Scripture. And I, I meet with so many Christians who, for, for reasons I understand, find it really hard to get into reading Scripture. And I think that was me for a number of years when I, I was starting off in the faith, and I found it really hard. And I think of it a bit like doing exercise. If any of you either have tried or enjoy doing exercise, the battle of getting off the sofa and putting on your trainers and getting out there and running or going to the gym. And it's a similar but different battle with scripture that actually it's about us getting into rhythms and patterns and habits that are healthy. And I want to encourage you to wake up every morning, whatever time it is, and that once you've got a drink in your hand, a cup of tea or coffee, the first thing you do is you open the Bible that this would be your daily bread. That You can use a Bible app. There's Bible in one year that you can get on your phone. You can get a printed version. However you do it, it doesn't matter. But that you would be feeding on the word of God because this is the way that he speaks to us. Every morning that he would give you wisdom and encouragement and hope and challenge as you start a new day. So I want to encourage you and challenge you to commit to doing that tomorrow morning. Download Bible in One Year if you haven't done it. Tomorrow, just go to our bookshop or a bookshop and get a, a Bible reading plan. Use version, whatever it is. But get going tomorrow morning. Feed on God's word and your life will be transformed. God will speak to you in ways that you couldn't imagine. So if God spoke in the past through the prophets, through messengers, then the writer to the Hebrews is saying, if that was a whisper, if God whispered through the prophets, then he speaks the most loudly, the most clearly through Jesus. So if we could have the next slide, please, Philip. Now, um, I was listening to the radio this week and the person who was um, reporting was doing a piece on wisdom passed down through the generations over the ages. And they were sort of drawing from all manner of different sources. And at one point, my ears pricked up when I heard these words. And then there was Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet. Now, Muslims would say that Jesus is a prophet, If you've ever spoken to a Jehovah Witness, and uh, there's some of them who meet on Broad Street, you would know they have a, a slightly different understanding of who Jesus is. But the writer to the Hebrews is absolutely clear on who Jesus is. And if you and I want to stand firm in the faith, if we want to grow in the faith, persevere in the faith, stand up to the pressure and challenges that come our way, you and I need to see Jesus, the real Jesus, 
the true Jesus as he is revealed here in Hebrews. So who is Jesus? Well, if we could have the next slide, we read these words in verse 3. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. I want you just to look at those words. What does that mean to you? In the message version, the same verse reads like this. Jesus perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. Now the words exact representation come from the Greek word character. And back when these words were written, there were no printing presses. And so a character was something like this. It was a stamp, either used for putting a seal on a letter or for making coins. And the point being that the stamp is the exact likeness of the coin or the seal that is being produced. And the point that is being made here is that that same glory and nature of God, the glory of God that we see in him, is the exact imprint that we see in Jesus. Now if we read back through the Old Testament, what we see when we think about God's glory is his glory being a confirmation of the very presence of God. So at Sinai, when the law was given, the, the glory of God was there. When we read about, um, for example, the, uh, the tent of meeting, the glory of God was present in the tent of meeting. The Ark of the Covenant, the glory of God was there. And what we're reading here in Hebrews is that that same glory, the same presence of God is in Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. Now we also read in these verses that Jesus is the creator of the universe. Have a look at verse 2. If you go on to then verse 10, you'll see that we read, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth. We know that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And what we're reading here is right at the beginning. When the world was being created, Jesus was there, creating. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is there right at the beginning with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters, forming and creating the world, breathing life into creation. And even more than that, Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. So we read in verse 2, he is the son of God. In verse 5, we read God saying, you are my son. And in verse 8, if you have a look at it, we read that Jesus is God. So we see throughout this chapter in Hebrews at the beginning, the divinity of Jesus. That he is more than a prophet. He's more than a healer. He is more than a, a teacher and a good man. He is the son of God. He is God incarnate, God in human form. He creates, he sustains life, 
And he will come to judge, verse 13, as his enemies are overcome. Jesus is the heir of all things. And that is good news for you and me. Because to be an heir means to inherit everything. So one day when Jesus comes again, he will be sovereign over all things. Over all nations, all people, over all governments. That's good news, isn't it? Over all disease, over everything and everyone, that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to encourage you tonight that if you are going through problems and challenges and difficulties in your life, you and I need to remember that the Lord reigns, that he is sovereign, he is in charge. He knows where you're going He knows you intimately. He knows your concerns and your hopes. And we know from Romans 8, 28, that he will work all things together for good for those who love him. He's not a distant God, but he is a God who draws near to us in Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. And so what we read here in Hebrews is, Not only do we have angels alongside us, and I haven't got time to give you a whole sermon on angels, but read through scripture and you'll see that angels are God's messengers, his ministers, who protect and guard Christians, who stand over God's church. But not only have you got angels around you, but even greater than that, we have Jesus the Lord of lords and the King of kings who stands alongside you and me, who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the things that you and I are going through in our lives and for this world. The challenge, folks, is sin. And sin is disobedience. It's when you and I turn from God and want to go our own way. And this sin has created a barrier between us and God. But what we read here in Hebrews in verse 3 is that Jesus has provided purification for sin. That Jesus has taken the sin that you and I, the punishment that you and I deserve, he has provided a bridge between God and us and on the cross through his death and the resurrection has bridged that gap and so where you and I live lives that are far from perfect it's as if we were living the life of Jesus that is how God views us it's how he views you you are purified you are cleansed and some of you need to hear that tonight that as we step forward in faith We are made clean in the eyes of God. And that is amazing that Jesus has taken our sin for us. And so Jesus has taken our sin. Our slate is wiped clean. And we read here that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And this is Jesus' way of saying, it is done, it is finished, it is complete. Once for all. Going back in history and looking forward until the day when Jesus comes again. He has atoned for our sins once for all. 
Only Jesus can purify your sin and my sin. Only Jesus can bring us back into a relationship with the Father. Only Jesus can give us the hope that you and I need in our lives. The world will promise hope in all manner of different ways. But I am telling you as your pastor and as a man who loves you, it's not true. Only Jesus will give you fulfillment and meaning and significance in your life. And only Jesus is able to transform you and me to help us become more like him and to bring that transformation that we're praying for in Reading and in our nation. And so when you and I find life overwhelming, when we feel that pressure on us, I want to encourage you and remind you tonight of this simple truth. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Tomorrow morning, wake up and read God's word. Go to your small group this week. Pray with other believers. Put on some worship music in the car or on your headphones and worship Jesus as you're traveling to university or college or school or work. Press into the presence of God. Because when we see Jesus in all his fullness, we're changed. And we then live and love and worship and honor him and serve and live our lives in a way that pleases him. And we're then compelled by love to pray for our colleagues and our friends, our family, that they too would know Jesus and come into a relationship with him. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to pray for Reading and for the UK. Are you up for that? Is anyone up for praying for Reading and the UK? Is anyone up for praying for Reading and the UK? I'm not just trying to drum you up into a frenzy, but I just, you know, faith is a gift. And we're going to walk around this church. And what we've got here is the Lord's Prayer on different bits of paper around the church. And and we're in the middle of 10 days of prayer at the moment. So rather than saying to all of you, please go to a meeting to do with 10 days of prayer, we're going to bring 10 days of prayer here. So we're going to spend some of our time now moving around the church. There's um, part of the Lord's Prayer just here at the back and around the church. You'll see it kind of attached to pillars and the wall. And we've given suggestions of how to pray. And I just encourage you to move around and to pray the line of the Lord's Prayer. You can do this in twos and threes. We have a bit of worship going on in the background. And we're going to pray for God's kingdom to come here in Reading and in the United Kingdom. And can I encourage you practically, just take your belongings with you. We're sort of in the middle of Reading here, so take your valuables with you. Walk around the church and we're going to stand in the gap and we're going to pray for the people of Reading, the people you know, the people you work alongside and study alongside, to see Jesus. Because when they see Jesus and they hear about Jesus, their lives will be transformed. So would you like to stand together, please? And um, we're just going to go straight into this time of prayer. This is our collective response together. You can pray in twos and threes. You can pray silently as you walk around the church. But let's spend 10, 15 minutes now 
committing to God, reading in the country and praying for the nation. On your marks, get set, go. Go.